Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, may I have your attention, please? Are you ready to engage in a mind-blowing experience and hear talks about life, technology, entertainment, and business? The next episode of Hip to Talks starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, go! Good morning, good day, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hipter Talks. Today we're having us, uh, we're having with us Amanda Solomon. Um, welcome. Thank you for uh, for taking the time to um, to join us. You know what? I'm sure it will be a quite an interesting talk. Uh, Amanda is the executive director of X1 Talent. Uh, welcome. Uh, just without any further ado, just uh, shed some light on uh, on your background, who who you are, what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I know it's early in the morning for me, later in the evening for you, and uh, we're, we're able to make it work. Um, as you mentioned, I'm Amanda Solomon. I am the executive director at X1 Talent. We were previously Tyrus Talent, where I was the CEO. This was prior to our acquisition. So X1 Entertainment recently acquired my talent agency back in August of this year. And we actually went through a rebrand kind of like name change to really like be one with the main company as they continue to grow in the space. Um, so I come predominantly from the talent agency side, representing all sorts of content creators, esports pros, amateurs, you know, YouTube entertainers. And, you know, what my day-to-day -day almost looks like now is a bit more um, like high level working with all of my directors on what they do. So I don't get to be as involved in all the intricacies of the business. Now I really just get to help kind of like set that roadmap and set that vision for the company, which is super exciting. Okay. Awesome. So, sounds really interesting. Now, what is an esport influencer or um, who are the people and what's their background? Uh, who are the people that uh, really, really kick the things on? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, an esports influencer versus like a just a traditional influencer. To me, uh, my definition, I don't know if there's like a set definition, but you know what I consider it is a professional esports player who is also a content creator and influencer of some kind, whether, you know, in the off season, they're streaming on Twitch, creating YouTube, you know, walkthrough guides. Maybe they're also a coach. Maybe they're somehow influential in their space. And this to me is kind of like, across all games. So this could be, you know, League of Legends, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, like any game that has that, you know, professional level um, has a set of influencers. And I don't think that every esports player is necessarily an influencer, right? Like I don't think every single, you know, Call of Duty player in, you know, the CDL is super well-known, prevalent, posts on socials. So I think it's like, that added layer of like, what are they doing in the industry with, you know, their perspective audiences to kind of like influence them, whether it's just entertainment or, you know, something on, on another level. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this, well, uh, an esports player and an influencer, like separate entities, do you think that uh, one of them could get to be an esports influencer by uh, piggyback riding one of it? I mean, if we have a really, really uh, good player 
that uh, does not create content uh, on on a daily basis, and he one day he decides that hey, I want to be an esports influencer. I'm a really good player. Uh, can he just get into that business easier if he's uh, already a well-known player, and vice versa? If there's this influencer that um, is not really in the esports right now, could it be way easier to to become an esports influencer just by tackling games? Not necessarily. I think so. Like the first, the first way being a pro player, becoming an influencer, I think could be a little bit easier. But then again, if nobody knows your face, nobody is used to you posting on Twitter or Instagram or creating videos, like there is going to be a ramp up period where people have to get used to your content or your stream time. And so like, while I may think, you know, it would probably be easier than like someone like me, who's neither of them, um, Mm -hmm. I still think it's challenging. But then on the flip side, influencer to esports. I think that is significantly more difficult because if you look at any esport, you, like not to you know continue to bring up Call of Duty, but like there are intricacies within each game that people like audiences respect the expert level commentary, analysis, opinions, et cetera, that if you are not someone at that level skill-wise or like mentally even just knowing the game at that level, I think you just won't be as relevant as the other people who are experts in that space. Yeah, but in, in the same time, I'm thinking like, for example, if Keanu Reeves starts playing whatever, he's going to have like a huge boost, a huge pool of already... um of audience that already knows him and they're going to be catched on in, in this whole thing uh, just because they follow him uh, as a as Yeah, a well, he's like an A-list celebrity. I would okay. watch Keanu Reeves <laughs> do anything. Anything in the world yeah. I would watch him do. Um, but, you know, I you're totally get what you're one. saying. <laughs> but, but, okay, so to, to that point, any Keanu Reeves fans, let's say he doesn't know Call of Duty very well. Is he going to be looked at as an esports influencer? No, he's going to be just looked at as an influencer who plays or speaks about Call of Duty. Yeah, so but- he would have to like become an expert. Like, I don't think people would look to him for like, what's the latest on League of Legends news? Like, Keanu Reeves, go. <laughs> like, I think he would really need to like really like dedicate and get into it before people would listen to him on that type of level. The same way you would listen to like an, another esports like analyst, for example. Mm-hmm. I see. Well, uh, I, I totally get your point. But however, considering we're talking about Keanu Reeves, he may be learning uh, everything in like 24 hours or so. He already knows he, it all. Yeah. He jokes on us. He knows everything. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I'm going to stick with uh, the notion of an esports influencer. Um, what's the what's the day-to-day routine? What what does an esports influencer do on a daily basis? Yeah, so I I work more on the representation side. So when they're in competition mode, I'm a little less familiar, so I, I won't speak to uh, like an active season day to day. But on, you know, strictly an off-season influencer side of things, I know most of them are really trying to keep healthy. A lot of my uh, content creators will be in the gym in the morning, eating a healthy breakfast, really like getting the day going. And most of them are either creating YouTube videos, TikToks, and or streaming. And so it'll kind of be the entire day will be a mix of either live form content streaming on Twitch or creating that like fun TikTok content 
or creating and then editing their YouTube videos. And that's really like what a day-to-day is. I know a lot of time goes into content creation in some form or another. Um, Usually eight to 10 hours a day from what I've seen, especially, you know, like the more popular they are on platforms, I think the more content they're making, the more high quality content they're making. And, you know, now in the last few years with TikTok being so popular, you're not only creating YouTube videos and streaming, but you're having to make TikToks as well. And many people are having to make several TikToks per day, posting multiple TikToks per day. And so that's just one additional layer added to their already very busy schedule. I see. Now, uh, is this whole uh, esports influencer thing popular like all around the world? Uh, and if so, are there uh, differences on uh, on demand in terms of content uh, between regions? Like, take Europe, Asia, US. Are are the same games the the ones that are are popular and are always in the top charts? I think for the most part, you're going to see the same games pretty popular across regions like League of Legends in the US versus, you know, like League of Legends in the EU. Like it is very popular across the board. League of Legends in Asia, like there is the same type of popularity. The influencers, influencers, you know, the players are different. It's not the same player in all of these regions, but I believe that like the influencing is really done across borders. People, you know, are cheering for their favorite teams overseas, no matter, you know, what region they're in. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, just by addressing this this question, uh, a memory just popped out. Uh, several years back, we were playing some, some mobile game and... Uh, I remember that there was always this this problem. We had a, a small local team, and whenever Chinese people went online, we were just going off because we knew we don't have <laughs> we, we couldn't have a chance at at having fun at least. They were just mashing us. So, oh. uh, yeah. Uh, but um, on the on the um, on the content these influencers provide. Uh, you said that, let's say, League of Legends, for example, it's uh, hugely popular in the US, in EU, in EU, in Asia as well. But the influencers are different because, well, we have to relate to the local guy. I mean, sort of local guy, to the uh, yeah. original the guy that I'm following. But have you noticed if they're basically... Um, if they're basically uh, doing the same thing, I mean, are there uh, things that are uh, very much alike between uh, these three regions in terms of, of content? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it's all pretty similar. There are only so many platforms. So I don't think one region is very YouTube video focused while the other is Twitch streaming. I see all types of people across all different regions, languages, streaming the same type of way. So I think, you know, like live streaming is one really great way for esports players, especially in League of Legends, to showcase their skills and to kind of like show their audience their gameplay outside of competitions. Mm-hmm. And now in, in terms of audience, uh, well, basically I think that um, most of this audience are uh, youngsters, uh, teenagers, uh, uh, I'm having a, a little bit of uh, 
of trouble uh, differentiating like uh, uh, millennials, Gen Z, Gen X. I have a trouble with uh, with the with the labels, <laughs> but uh, I, I know for a fact that young people are more attracted to this type of content. Uh, what's the attitude of older generations of uh, older people to towards this whole uh, esports influencer stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I think some of them get it, right? They're like, oh, it's like the NFL, but for video games. Clicks for them, they get it, they love it, they support it, especially those who have kids. You know, like the boomers are going to have kids that are millennials, which is which is me. I'm 30. Um, my parents kind of get it, kind of don't get it. I've had to explain my job probably 500 times at this point. Um, so the ones that get it, get it. The ones that don't get it, I think they just don't get it. Um, <laughs> they're kids and now their kids' kids are playing games, whether, you know, professionally and competitively or, you know, just for fun. So I think the older generations having to just get used to this very like digital way of like competing in sports. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, can you tell us a few names that you're working with? I have no esports players right now, so it probably wouldn't be relevant. <laughs> okay, then what about uh, future projects or um, like a big target, a big dream that you have? Big dream. Um, that's a really great question. Um. Well, except having Keanu sure. Reeves as one of your one of your uh, clients, <laughs> I know. Um, we don't really have like esports on our radar for talent management. Um, I think like the the esports orgs. I don't know if you want to include this, um, but the esports orgs are doing a really great job of representing their players. So the need for a talent agency is really very low. Um, that's what I've kind of like seen like in the space. I used to work over at Misfits Gaming who has their Call of Duty League, their Overwatch League and the LEC over in Europe. And like they do an amazing job of even though they're not a talent agency and can't technically represent the players, they do an amazing job of providing like brand deals, partnerships, sponsorships, exposure, like growth opportunities like they don't really need. And I would probably... <laughs> My CEO would be like, what are you saying? They probably really don't need someone like us when they're so well taken care of, right? Like, and I can't compete with getting, you know, like a big, huge multi-million dollar like Hasbro deal, for example. Like, I'm not on that level. That esports, you know, Team Liquid's on that level and like TSM's on that level. But what makes the difference between having or in and not having a talent agency? Um, well, talent agency means that you can do outreach on behalf of a content creator. That's like what the talent agency act is, is around is like protecting talent. So like, especially in the state of California, it's very strict, but if you have, don't, if you're not a registered talent agency, I cannot reach out to uh, Nike on behalf of my player or my, um, my content creator, but Nike can come to me, my player and say, Hey, we want to work with them. So that's kind of a bit of the difference on like mm -hmm. the legal side of things. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, I've got a, a little bit of, of, of uh, I don't know if it's tricky, but uh, usually an uncomfortable question for some reason. Uh, how did the whole COVID stuff influence the, the industry? 
Yeah. I mean, unfortunately it impacted it very positively. And by positively, I mean in growth. And I hate to say that because there was really not much that was positive about COVID, but there were so many cities and countries completely locked down. We're all stuck at home behind our computers. What's on our computers, video games, watching streamers and content creators becoming a content creator. Like there was so much around working from home, being stuck at home, but also the unfortunate reality of a lot of people losing their jobs and going, well, I see my favorite streamer playing World of Warcraft. I love World of Warcraft. Let me go stream it now. And so we saw a really big uptick in watch hours on Twitch. YouTube video views were up in incredibly because we all had quite literally nothing else to do. We couldn't go out to dinner. We couldn't go to the bars. We couldn't see our friends. Everything was at home. And so over two years, it just kind of <laughs> blew up. Yeah, I, I'm kind of familiar with, honestly, I'm not surprised at all uh, with, with your answer because uh, I've talked and in several industries, I've got similar answers like, okay, leaving the actual medical problems aside, but the whole uh, lockdown stuff uh, just had a lot of, lots of, lots of, uh, of positivity to it. And uh, yeah, now the, the the following question uh, in the same um, on the same topic: uh, Do you see that now that things are a little bit uh, more relaxed? Uh, do you see the same engagement and uh, the same uh, uh, growing uh, trends on 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 this? Yeah. So unfortunately, I believe that numbers are down uh, because people are going back to work. People are removing. Uh, the full work from home and doing hybrids. So now people are out of the house, you know, restaurants are open. You can kind of travel and get on airplanes and, you know, do all of the stuff that you couldn't do a year or two years ago. So I do think viewership is down, but because, you know, two years were spent more or less, you know, just being at home and having certain activities and habits, I think people are still watching their favorite streamers and TikTokers and YouTubers, but I think just a little bit less. And mm-hmm. I think we're going to continue to kind of see that go down until it plateaus. And where the plateau is, I'm not sure. I'm not like a data analyst. I'm not sure like where where normal is. But I do think it will get to a point where things kind of normalize. Um, but I think it will stay m- much more elevated than before the pandemic. Uh, and another one on on. Um, on um let's say, uh, that implies that uh, you have to take that crystal ball and make a guess on the future. Uh, Where do you see this whole um, AI mixing with uh, all kind of of games going to on on, on this uh, influencer subject? It's wild, honestly. Like the AI, the VR, the metaverse, it's all, it's, I read so many articles that, are over here, over there, over here. And like, no one has the same opinion, which is even more confusing. Uh, No one seems to like know where it's going. Of course, neither do I, but I think like, so we're millennials, then you have Gen Z, and then you have like uh, Generation Alpha, who's 10 years old and younger. I think they're going to be in this like really crazy metaverse AI, like at like, like a world like you and I wouldn't even recognize. I think that's that's where it's going. So while like very vague, I think that's going to be a very normal thing. All digital items. Like I couldn't imagine 
and I know this is all about the metaverse. I couldn't imagine like owning a sweater digitally. Like to me, my brain's like, no, I want the sweater <laughs> for me. Um, yep. And I think that's just going to be so normal for them to like, no, like I have this sweater, but then I also have like my whole closet in the metaverse or I have it all on like all digitally virtually. And I can't, I can't even like comprehend. <laughs> yeah. Ne neither can I. So what's, what's in for the future? We're just going to have to, to leave it. And maybe our grandchildren would explain it to us. Like we are explaining our jobs to our parents. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> okay. Really, really nice. Amanda. Uh, we are kind of closing in to, to our, to our time limit. So any, I don't know, any advice, anything you want to highlight or um, like a closing statement for, for, for this, uh, I mean, on this subject for our audience? Closing statement. Okay. Um, that's a great, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Research things you're interested in because I'm not an expert in this and uh that's my closing statement <laughs> okay so we're sticking with research usually it's a good thing so uh hopefully our um everybody who's uh, listening or watching uh will do their own research and uh, who knows what we're gonna find out thank you very much Amanda for taking the time to have this cool chat with us thank you to our audience for tuning in and if you haven't already don't forget to subscribe to all our, our channels available on our website thank you and see you next week thank you for joining be sure to check back next week for the next hip to talks and subscribe on Amazon Music Overcast Spotify Google Podcast Apple Podcast iHeartRadio SoundCloud Mixcloud and Pandora <laughs>